Hallelujah. Thank you, musicians and platform workers. As you know, we've all had our turn now. It's turn for Brother Mike Harris to come minister the gospel. So give him a warm welcome this evening. All right. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always a privilege to preach the gospel. And so I want to tell you how much I really do appreciate your offering, even though it's to this church that goes to all the pioneer works and what God is trying to do. There's so much that God still wants to do here tonight and through the remainders of the years, if Christ should tarry, and I believe that he has a lot that he wants to do for this church personally and at a corporate level. He wants to minister to people. He wants to bring an enlargement as our brother was praying tonight as he opened in prayer. And so, if you have your Bibles uh, tonight, we're actually going to be in Genesis chapter 35. We're going to be in verses 1 through 7, and then we'll be in 9 through 13. And so that's Genesis 35, 1 through 7, 9 through 13. And so I've entitled this uh, sermon, Constructing Altars, tonight. I'm not going to preach any grand revelation or some fresh perspective from the Bible. We've heard about the altar and how just important it is. And I want to share this by way of introduction. This was a 1996 article about Billy Graham. It was towards the end of his uh, ministry. And he actually lived about 22 years after this article, but... It was towards the end of his longdrustrous ministry and all the people that were saved, and he saw the value in the altar. And so it says this by way of introduction. Uh, Billy Graham, he preached a crusade, and last week the 77-year-old evangelist preached to 336,100 people in Charlotte, North Carolina once again. People came forward. 22,249 in four days. And so this is a man that saw the importance of the altar. It was something that he incorporated in his ministry. Even before he was a well-renowned evangelist, he incorporated this into his ministry, preaching at smaller churches. And there's something very valid and powerful about the altar I want to proclaim tonight. We're going to be looking at the story of uh, Jacob. This is a man that was instructed to build an altar in Genesis 35. And oftentimes in the religious world, the altars often overlook the importance of altar calls and making a judgment on what is preached. That's overlooked. There's people that go to my church, have been to numerous churches in the past, and the altar call is just foreign to them. When they come back, they come to our, one of our churches. And they, they hear the preaching and everything. And, ever, and they'll, they won't answer the altar call because it's just kind of foreign to them. And it's something that's forgot about in the church world at large. And I think that's one of the things that makes our church so special, our fellowship so special is that the altar. We give time for altar ministry where the Holy Spirit can fall upon hearts, where people can be healed, where people can take time with God. And so let's go ahead and just jump into our uh, main text, Genesis uh, 35, 1 through 7. 
verses 9 through 13. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go, go to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household, to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, change your garments, then let us arise, go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which was by Shechem. Verse 5, And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is the land of Cana, and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Verse 9, Then God appeared to Jacob again, and when he came to Padamaram, he blessed him. Verse 10, And God said to him, Your name is Jacob, and your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel, and God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply, and nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and to your descendants after you I give this land. Then God went up from him in this place where he talked with him. And I want to set a foundation tonight. I want to talk about the altar. Now it's a meeting place, as I mentioned. It's a meeting place with God. And in our main text, Jacob is instructed to build an altar to God, a place where he could meet and encounter the living God. And that his life would be forever changed when he encountered God. It's this altar in the front. After we're, I'm done preaching, there's going to be an opportunity for people to come and receive Jesus Christ. There's going to be an opportunity for people to come up to the front and encounter the living God, Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ wants you to experience a life-changing moment with Him. What's the point of even being in church if you're not going to encounter the Spirit of God? I want to encounter God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, every time that I'm in a church service. I want something to change drastically about me. And that should be our aim. That should be our desire is that we can be transformed. We can make a decision about what was preached, what was proclaimed. And I realize some sermons might speak more to your situation than others, but there's something that the Holy Spirit can move upon your heart. That's always been one of my convictions, is it doesn't matter what it's preached on, I'm going to find something that God is speaking to me, that God is dealing with me. I'm going to make a decision at that altar. God is going to meet with me. He's going to encounter me. And that's the Holy Spirit when that can fall on you. And that's the importance and constructing the altar and the, our texts, it, it helps us to realize the importance and the power of the altar. That's that power, that life-changing power of Jesus Christ 
That's where conversions take place. That's when this church is going to start seeing revival. There's going to be a number of people. They're going to come. They're going to change. It's going to they're encounter God. That's something supernatural. That's conversion, and that's going to happen. That's what God is going to do in this place. He's going to bring in so much more. We've heard so many things throughout the years about an end-day harvest, about souls coming in. But that's what happens at the altar when this space up here in front is sacred, when it's separated to God, when it's not a time for a distraction or to just get up and use the restroom, but it's a time that's sacred, set apart to God. And it's a place where people can encounter the living God, Jesus Christ. Genesis 35.1, Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. So make an altar. And so we need to make an altar to God with our own personal lives. Putting God first making Him number one because God is not going to share the totem pole with other priorities of your life. And sometimes I have to be careful with this too. I'm not innocent. Sometimes we don't necessarily feel like going to church or we try to do things out of convenience. That's one of the things that people can fall into. But God needs to be number one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And that should be the desire. And this is really... The foundation of the sermon tonight is constructing an altar before the living God where you can, where you can meet God. There's God, God's Spirit. It's very humbling to just come forward on the altar and to receive the preaching, what was preached, make a decision, make a verdict on that. It can be very humbling to do that. And sometimes our Hearts, that heart of pride can get in the way. Well, if I answer that altar call, somebody's going to know my issues. They're going to know my problems, what I'm dealing with. Well, the th- brother or sister, I thought that way before, but you're going to stand before a righteous God on your own. You're going to have to give an account. So you can't really worry what, about what other people think. And something might be preached on, perhaps, that's completely different than what it, God is specifically laying on your heart and dealing with you about. And so that's the importance of coming to the altar, hearing from God. And sometimes our pride, sometimes our shame, this can keep us away from coming to an altar call, hearing from God. Because it's that encounter, that spirit of humility, that God's Spirit can fall and you can be forever changed. You don't have to leave this place with the same attitudes. You don't have to leave this place with the same mindsets that are not necessarily pleasing to God. There's a lot of great people there. I've known many of you for many years. God is going to do some miraculous things in your life. And He's going to do that with a spirit of humility because God resists the prideful. He draws near to those that are humble. It was that spirit of humility that Jesus Christ was, that embodiment in the flesh. He gave up His kingdom. He gave up His throne. He gave up everything and He humbled Himself even to the point of being a man. And He died on the cross for you and I. He was a humble man. And we can really learn a lot from that life because God draws close to those that are humble. 
1 Peter 5, 5 through 6. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And so there's blessing. There's a spirit. When you have a spirit of humility, there is blessing. God will exalt you in due time. He'll lift you up. He'll put you in a position of ministry. He'll put you in a position of the church or even in your faithfulness. He'll anoint your testimony. He will exalt you in due season because you humbly come to Him. You seek Him. And just the constructing of the altars of God and what that means in our main text, verse 1, Jacob is told and he's instructed to build that altar in verse 1. And then verse 7, he goes and he obeys and builds that altar. Genesis 35, 7. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. And so he built an altar there and called it El Bethel. That's the place where he could meet God. And we have many examples all throughout the Bible of uh, altar spaces where God encountered people, where He showed up in a supernatural way. And our text reveals that importance of building our own altars. And I'm mostly ministering on the altar up here in front, but there's altars that we need to build in our own lives to Jesus Christ. And there's the importance of that in our services and why we give so much time And this is why there's so much depth to our churches because of the altar space. And it's so intricate the way it's set up in the service and means something. And that Holy Spirit can move on your heart. We have Moses in the Bible. He builds an altar and God shows up. Exodus 17, 15. And Moses built an altar and called this name The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. Talk about having a refuge, having a place, a strength in the Lord. That's what the altar is. It's a refuge for those that would come in here. It's a refuge. It's a security. It's a place where we can find mercy from Jesus Christ. And then there's Noah that built an altar. Genesis 8.20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And this is one of my favorite personal examples of an altar that was constructed. It was Elijah the great prophet. Just to give you a little bit of a backdrop of what's taking place in the context of this altar right before he constructed it. Israel has turned its back on the one true God. They're giving themselves to idols, false gods. And Elijah builds this altar and God shows up powerfully. 1 Kings 18.32 Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two sheaves of seed. And at that same altar that he constructed, that's when revival happened. That's when the nation of Israel turned to God again. They turned from their sin. They said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They fell on their knees. And they worshipped the one true God. And revival came. There was a spiritual awakening in the nation of Israel. 
and people turn to God. And that's what happens at the altar. There can be a a spiritual refreshment in this nation where people will come in and get saved. And God wants to do a mighty work in our lives. He wants to do a mighty work in this city. But it also has to do with us. It starts with us responding to the altar call. Because really what it comes down to is our hearts and being in the condition where we can receive the people that would come in, where we could love on the people, where we could have a spirit of unity. Sometimes there's so much conflict in churches. Even just a little conflict, oh, what carpet should we have? And they have so many denominations just on, okay, should we let women pastors preach? Should we let... uh, Uh, homosexuals stay in the church, vice versa. And so there's conflicts that can come into a church. And these can divide. And remember, that's what the devil wants, is he wants to divide. He wants people to be divided. But as we stand firm on the foundations of preaching like the altar, and what our fellowship has said for over 50 years, Jesus Christ is going to do something mighty. And it really starts at the altar and responding to that altar when we give our hearts completely and fully to whatever God is dealing with us about. That's the power of the altar. And I just want, as I continue tonight, I just want to touch, I want to talk about at the altar. Because really what it is is a place of surrender. Jacob, he had to make a decision. He had to make a decision to surrender. I'm not going to live the same way. I'm going to change the way that I'm going to live. I'm giving that to you, God. He had to make a decision to lay down the false idols. And he had to make a decision. That's the same thing that we have to do. Choose who you will serve. Whether it be the living God or death. But choose Jesus Christ because He wants us to make it. He wants us to experience that refreshment, that encouragement, the building up of the ecclesia, the church of God. Because the church is precious. The people in each and every person here is precious that God has placed. Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that that nobody loves you here. Don't let the devil tell you that I don't know if they care about me that much. I'm not valued. God cares about you. He placed you in this church for a very specific reason and a purpose. And He's ordained a wonderful pastor, Pastor Keith Solomon, to be your pastor, to get behind. And so if you just stay behind Him and get under His preaching, God can do something supernatural. I know without a doubt Within the next couple of months, some people, they might be struggling in that area. Just as God really called me to this place. God really called me here. You're, if you settle it in your heart just to make this church your own and stick to it, you're going to see an acceleration in your life. And God is going to supernaturally meet you at these altars, these spaces. He'll meet you in your prayer closet when you have your own altar before God. He'll show up in a big way because that's the God that we serve. We serve a righteous and holy God. But going back to our text before I get off track here, Jacob, he had to make a decision. And nothing else was going to be above God in his life. Nothing else. He was going to lay aside his pride. This was a man that stole somebody's identity. He was going to lay aside his pride. He was going to say, God, I need your help. 
I need you to graciously move. In verse 2 and verse 4 of our main text, it mentions about putting away those false gods, those idols. I know that people probably don't have, uh, they don't have the carven images of God here or something like that or some kind of idol, but we can have other idols. We can have our careers, we can have our money, we can have our security. There's all kinds of things, anything that we put above God. And so it's about making God number one. It's that place of surrender. And so he had to make a decision. Genesis 35, verses 2 and 4. And Jacob said to the household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the cherubim tree, which was by Shechem. And so Jacob had to make that decision when he was going to build that altar because it's a place of surrender. And he had to surrender his own will to God's. And he had to say, God, I'm going to be loyal to you. And nothing else is going to be ahead of that. And nothing else is going to be ahead of what Jesus Christ has for our lives. And that's what happens at the altar with that decision coming under the authority of Jesus Christ, who God has placed over this church. Dealing with anything that can get in the way of that, your relationship with God. The Bible tells us to lay aside that sin that so easily ensnares us. It gets all over you before you know it. And so anything that can get in the way with your relationship with God, you need a correct response. You need to surrender your will to His. And Jesus Christ, we know that He endured the cross. All that He suffered, He was mocked, He was scourged for our sins. He was beaten. And even before He took all that, He made a decision. He had a heart of surrender. Not my will, but your will, God. And he had that heart of surrender. Luke twenty-two forty-two. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so he had that heart of surrender that you and I need when we answer the altar call, when we respond. And I realize that not everybody um, has all the physical, they might have physical limitations or health problems, and it can be difficult to answer altar calls. You do the best you can with that. But most everybody can answer altar calls, and this is very critical during a service. And so even in my own personal life, the altar, it's a place of change. It's a place of transformation where your character can be changed, where God can get to work on your heart, where God can move in a powerful way. There are so many areas that um, Christ wants to do in each and every one of our hearts. So many areas that He wants to conform and transform us into His image. As much as I like to say I'm like Jesus, I'm like Jesus in some areas and many areas because I try to live by a standard and that's the Bible and I have convictions. But there are still many areas that God wants to work in my heart, that God wants to do something in my life, and that really comes down to an altar. I'm reminded of that uh, story when uh, Pastor uh, Morales was here. He said one one of his converts said to him, "When do we? When can we stop reading the Bible? When can we stop praying? 
When can we stop going on outreach? And Pastor Morales said, not, not until we uh, go and be before Jesus Christ. Because we're works on progress. I don't have every single area of my life together, and I need to respond. And that's the importance of encountering Jesus Christ. Because we need that continual change. Because what have our pastors said, and I know you've heard, oh, you're either going forward in the things of God or you're, you're not going, or you're going backwards. There's no in between. And so we need that continuous change. I need that continuous change, that anointing, that Holy Spirit falling upon my personal life. And so we're works in progress as we respond to the power of Jesus Christ at the altar. So the altar call can help with that, responding to the altar. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so it's a continual process. We won't arrive until we stand before a living God. And there was a respected pastor that uh, once preached behind this pulpit, and he told us just the importance of the altar. He did a sermon workshop on just how important it is. And he was talking and telling us this story of uh, just how couples would be ministered to and counseled for years and years. And then they would come and respond at an altar. And what would transpire at that altar was something supernatural. That what years of counseling could not do, the altar brought a change. It brought something supernatural in areas that couldn't be changed from years of counseling. That's what the altar can do tonight. And Jacob's life, he was completely changed. His character flaws were changed. He was known as a liar, as I mentioned prior, and a cheater because he had stolen his brother's uh, Esau's identity. He has this stolen identity, and so he's hiding. So, so many people, they even struggle with this identity crisis. And even as a Christian, you can struggle with an identity crisis. Well, does Christ really accept me? Well, how does Christ feel about me or view me? But this is one of the things that uh, Jacob from our main text was. He was a man that was flawed. He had character issues. But at that altar, he was changed when he encountered God. And he was given a new name called Israel. Genesis 35.10. And I don't know if you know, but names actually mean something from the Bible. I don't just randomly throw out names. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. And your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. And just from what that uh, tells us, that's something that changed, a character change. And so he's not going to be remembered as a schemer or a cheater or a supplanter or somebody that steals somebody's identity. It actually means God prevails. And so he was going to be defined by his dependence on God. And that's what our, we should be defined on, is our dependence on Jesus Christ. He wasn't going to no longer be defined with these character flaws and that stolen identity because he encountered God. And the Holy Spirit can encounter you tonight and change you. And even just the altar, it's encountering God at this altar space. It might be even like 25 or 30 
feet from where you're sitting, but there's something supernatural, a transaction that happens when you come and you respond humbly. When you pray, God, I really need You, Your Spirit. That's where people have answered altar calls to go on and be missionaries, to be pastors, to be pastors' wives at conference. They, they weren't even thinking about it. God, I'm not going to go there if you... I'm, no, if, you, if they call us to go there, I am not going there. But responding to that altar call, God gets a hold of their heart. They encounter God's presence so powerfully, but they re, then they respond and realize, this is what God wants me to do. I'm going to respond to that calling. I'm going to respond for that. And they meet God in a tangible way. And Jacob, he met God in a tangible way, that altar, that altar space. Genesis 35, 9, Then God appeared to Jacob again, and when he came from Padam Aram, and blessed him. And so he encountered a God. He encountered the God of the Bible at that altar. And that's what it is. It's sacred. It's holy to God. It's a time, well, when the preacher maybe, oh, he's gone on a little bit long, or uh, I don't know if I want to... Uh, Keep hearing them preach. When is that altar? And then you want to go up and use the restroom. But it's something that is sacred. It's time that time apart. It's valid in the ministry. Exodus thirty-five, or thirty. Excuse me. Exodus three five. Then he said, "Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground." And so Moses encounters God, it's holy ground, and so that's what the altar is. It's sacred for you and I, that space where we can meet with the holy and righteous God. And as I close tonight, I want to talk about covenant promises because there's covenant promises for you and I at the altar, and that's how valid it is. God can enter into an agreement with you or a pact with you at the altar, that place of surrender where you can enter into that pact. Not, your, not my will be done, but your will, O oh God. I'm going to surrender. You're going to meet and have an agreement with God. God is going to go to fight for you. God is going to be in your corner. He's going to have your back. I don't know people's circumstances, but... People do go through, go through things. And so what better person to have, what better God to have than Jesus Christ in your corner? And so reaffirming that covenant promise, that's what happened at the altar space. He reaffirmed that covenant promise with Jacob. And that's the same thing that can happen with us at an altar space. We can have the resources of heaven. Oh, I don't have the job that I want. I don't have the hours. And we can complain. But we have God. We have Jesus Christ. If we have a need, we can boldly go before Him. He's not going to turn us away. And so we can enter into that pact, that agreement with Jesus Christ at the altars. Genesis 35, 11 through 12. And also God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply, and nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. Verse 12, the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you and to your descendants after you, I give this land. And so I give this land to you. This, I'm reaffirming my promises to you. And you're going to have descendants 
And I'm making this covenant with you. There's going to be covenant blessing. And that's what it is. There's covenant blessing and covering for your life. The resources of God who owns all the resources in the world. God can turn things in a dime. And he he uses us. He uses people like you and I to further his purposes, his will. Because there's also fruitfulness at the altar. There's fruitfulness for this church. There's fruitfulness for individual lives through the altar. It's better to come to the altar and respond when we go through the altar. That's when life works out best because the Bible says that wages of sin is death. You know, responding to what God would deal with you about. There's the promise of fruit for that. And having impact for Jesus Christ. Powerful impact. Just think of it just for a moment. Jacob is in the lineage of the Messiah. And we know that God makes his descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore. He gives them numerous descendants because of Jesus Christ. Just think of the lineage of that, the blessing that goes behind that, the fruitfulness that can happen at the altar. Yes, things die at the altar. We make decisions. There's things that are cut off from our lives. But there's fruitfulness. There's life in that when we get up from the altar encouraged. And there's fruitfulness for what Jesus Christ has for your life. Because that was the case in Genesis 35:11 for Jacob. Incredible fruitfulness and a destiny that he had a purpose. Genesis 35:11. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. And so that's the altar, at the altar, where you can supernaturally encounter the living God, and he can change you, and there's fruitfulness. And casting crowns, they had a, a, just a powerful song. It talks, it's actually right now, I think it was the name of the song, but it's just a powerful song about how that change, it starts with us. It starts in our hearts because God has a destiny. He has a plan. He has a purpose for this church, for you and I, that he's not done yet. There's things that we haven't seen come to fruition yet, but God is going to bring them into fruition. This is a church that has heritage. It has a lot of purpose being here and getting this new building. God is shaping this church. God is doing a work in this church so that he can come and he can bring revival. He's going to facilitate a mighty work, and I believe that with all my heart. And it really starts with us responding to the altar call, responding what God would deal with us about as we come forward. And so with that being said, if I could just have every head bowed, eyes closed for a moment, there might be uh, people in this place that aren't right with God tonight. You don't have a relationship with the Jesus Christ But you can. You can have the assurance of being right with God tonight. For the Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the Lord. And not one of us is righteous. We all need what Jesus Christ has to offer if we're honest with ourselves tonight. We need what Jesus Christ would want. He wants each and every one of us to receive who He is. And so you don't have that assurance tonight. You'd like to have that. 
You'd like to go on record and write. You want to pray front to back, side to side of this building. Nobody is looking around. You just show your hand, raise your hand. You want to pray just to receive Christ. You want the assurance of uh, being right with God tonight. You can with one simple prayer, one simple prayer of faith. Perhaps there's people in this place, you're backslidden. Maybe you prayed that prayer at one point, but you're backslidden. You've compromised. You want to go on record tonight. You want to get your heart right with God. You're backslidden. You're unsaved. You want to turn to Jesus Christ. Nobody's looking around, front to back, side to side of this building. You just raise your hand. You want it. You want prayer. God sees that hand. You can go ahead and just uh, put that hand down. Would there be anybody else that would join this uh, honest heart tonight? And so God has given an opportunity to speak to people. One last call. Save your backslidden in this place. You want to get your heart right with God, you just raise your hand. Okay, for the one that raised your hand there, would you look up at me? Did you mean that? Yeah, I believe you did. And so I'm just going to have you just come up uh, come up here with your mom. If I could just have Alicia, you can pray with your daughter. You guys can just come up here. And so I talked on the importance of the altar tonight and just how valid, how important this is the ministry and what God wants to do in this place. There's things that he wants to accomplish. And so if God has spoken to you in any area of your life, you come, you find a place to pray. These altars are open. So go ahead and just sing a song tonight.